Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, we talk with Jamie Hobbs. The last time Jamie was on the podcast, we talked about his adventures at Hellgate 2015. And now he's back to tell us about Hellgate 2016. That's right. Jamie went back to the gates of hell. And so did I, I guess. Uh, I, I have had the pleasure of crewing Jamie at both of his runs down in uh, Dr. David Horton's playground in Virginia. If you haven't heard uh, Jamie's 2015 Hellgate report, you can check out episode 20. You have Twizzlers for me, which is linked in the show notes. And that can be found at runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 043. Those are where you'll find those show notes. You know those things, right? Yep. Okay, great. Uh, so over the next hour or so, after briefly recapping his unexpected beginning of 2016 with a nagging heel injury, we talk about some of the races Jamie thought he was going to run and the races he actually ran. In the second half of the podcast, Jamie and I talk about deciding to go back to Hellgate and the consequences of such a rash decision. For those of you that don't know about Hellgate, you'll get a pretty good handle on it from these two episodes and, you know, from from this episode and also from 20. Uh, But I'll try to summarize it by saying it's 100K plus plus the application for which is on paper and requires one to explain how one's previous race results justify their inclusion in the race. You are then chosen or not chosen by Dr. Horton. The race starts at midnight and travels point to point from Hellgate to Camp Bethel, Virginia, even crossing under the Blue Ridge Parkway at one point. It's plus plus because it has a few uh, Horton miles in it. Yep, It's put on by Dr. David Horton, and if you don't know about Dr. Horton, I'll put something in the show notes for you, else this would be a much, much longer podcast. Anyway, you'll get many more tidbits about the race in this and episode 20, but I figured I'd give you just a a little bit of context so you understand what we're talking about. Now, before we get into it with Jamie and Hellgate 100K, I'd like to tell you that this episode is sponsored by a different 100K. This episode is sponsored by Twisted Branch Trail Run, which will take place on August 19th, 2017. Regular listeners might be familiar with this race, you know, since I've had the pleasure of participating in this in the last two years as well. But let me tell you about it. Twisted Branch is a 100K ultra which runs from the Bristol Hills branch of the Finger Lakes Trails, starting in Ontario County Park and depositing runners on the shores of Cuca Lake in the town of Hammondsport, New York. The trail is made up of single track, logging roads, groomed trails, dry stream beds, abandoned roads, dirt roads, and paved roads. While it starts in one, be certain that this ain't no stroll in the park. With 10,000 feet of elevation gain and 11,000 feet of descent, you will be challenged from start to finish of this race. You'll also be rewarded for your efforts with some of the most breathtaking views of the Finger Lakes region. This is real deal. Like, this is full-on Finger Lakes trails, roots, rocks, you know, climbs, huffing and puffing, the whole thing. It's pretty, pretty good challenge. So, new this year, 
a 20-hour cutoff. This impossible race just became possible. No more excuses. Back again this year will be free camping at both the start and the finish line. Ontario County Park, uh, the start, is a beautiful park with amenities like showers and restrooms. It's way up on the hill, highest point in Ontario County. Last year, a bunch of us sat on a playground and watched a red moon rise over Ontario County Park and then went to sleep just about 100 yards from the start line. So that was pretty awesome. And Hammondsport, the finish, well, it'll have food, friends, a fire, and a beach. So, you know, make of that what you will. I don't know. What can you do with those things? Um, Why am I telling you about an August race in January? Well, so you can get your butt trained for one. And second, registration for the 2017 running of Twisted Branch opens on February 2nd. And early bird pricing will be in effect for the first month. Get registered early and get started on your training because you're going to need it. Get more information on one of the best race websites that you'll find. Like, seriously, it's a good site at twistedbranchtrail.com. You'll also find links to the Twisted site and Ultra Sign Up in the show notes. Twisted Branch 100K, August 19th. Don't, don't miss it. You'll be, you'll be a sad panda. Thanks to Twisted Branch for sponsoring this episode. And with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester runners. You ran Hellgate. Yeah, we talked about that last year. And then... It's been about 365 days. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, yeah. And then, like, so how did you... So after you ran Hellgate last year, mm-hmm. right, um, you didn't run for like a couple weeks, right? That's right. Well, yeah. till about Christmas. I think Christmas was the first day I ran. So it was about 10 days, maybe two weeks. Um, but I recall that Christmas was really nice and I had a little lull in the middle of the day and I just was going to wait another couple of days and I just decided, eh, it's so nice out. Yeah. I'll go for a run. Yeah, Christmas, that, that, I, think I think everybody ran on Christmas, yeah. like 65 degrees <laughs> right. and we're running. So, I think some people actually went kayaking on Christmas in the Rondequoit Bay. Ah. So anyways, it was that kind of Christmas. Yeah. Worth running for, even yeah. if you just came off 100K. Yeah, and you know, it felt fine at the time. It was really, it took like a couple, I ran for a week or so, and then I started to notice some strange aches and pains my foot was hurting my ankle was hurting mm-hmm. um and i didn't know whether it was gonna kind of work itself out or get worse and it was just kind of testing the waters and then i went out for a test and uh failed a week test. after <laughs> or two after christmas and i strained my hamstring doing it i got this tweak where i just suddenly i was running like 730s and all of a sudden it was like oh no i guess i'm gonna walk home from here oh. <laughs> well i kind of jogged you know, 10 minute pace that yeah, was right. the way home. This was the quickest short, route. A <laughs> little shorter home, stride. You know? <laughs> so that I was pretty bummed about that. I was like, okay, now I got two different issues going on. And then I was more concerned about the hamstring and I was trying right. to nurse that and that started to get a little bit better. But then um, the, the foot pain, the ankle pain started to get worse. And I just felt like I had plantar fasciitis. I didn't know exactly what it was, but it was like plantar fasciitis pain under the heel, under the bottom of the foot. 
but also just felt like my whole ankle was locked up. And I don't know if that was the reason I ended up getting it because I wasn't getting enough forward mobility in my in my ankle to um, to run naturally. So it was putting more strain on the the fascia below. Um, but whatever, if that was the cause or not, I was trying to treat both things, trying to get the ankle mobility back and trying to deal with the, the pain in the bottom of the foot. But when we, when we left Hellgate 2015, you didn't really have any injuries. I mean, you were exhausted no, and right. just kind of like, you know, yep. sore, but you didn't have any, you didn't come out of there hurt. No, right. And that's why I thought, you know, when I ran on Christmas, yeah. I thought, okay, I'm okay. Everything feels fine. Yep. And it only just kind of happened over the next two weeks of running. Right. So I don't know if there was something, if I just purely got injured after mm-hmm. Hellgate or if there was just strain there that just took a few soon. days to, yeah. took a few weeks of running to materialize. So you spent most of the spring sort of dealing with that, right? Like, am I injured? Am I not injured? Let me try a short run. Let me yep. do some walk-in. Yeah. And you kept like dealing with that. Right. And, and then I think you ran Medved Madness. I ran Sneaker. Oh, Muddy, Muddy sneaker. sneaker and Medved Madness. And I was starting to... Those are April and May. Right. So I'd run sort of inconsistently. I know that Muddy Sneaker was um, my first double-digit run of the year. Um, I was like, well, I've run a maximum of six miles. Let's go run 12 miles with, you know, humongous climbs. Yeah, let's go race. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, you know, I knew I wasn't going to run sneaker like I had in the past, and and uh, I just wanted to see how it felt. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing with running at that point was it would hurt for the first mile or so on my foot, and then it would loosen up and feel fine until I stopped, and then it would hurt again afterwards. And so right. I got running sneaker. I was like, okay, I feel all right. This isn't. I'm not in great shape. You know. I'm, um, huffing and I'm puffing be a little bit. Ten minutes slower than I was the last time I ran it, but you know, nothing's hurting. And then I stopped and finished the race and I was limping around on my foot, got all tender afterwards. Right. Same thing with madness. So then it was around June that you really actually decided you were injured. Right? Yeah. So I decided, okay, I can't do anything consistently without things getting worse, without feeling worse afterwards. I can't train. And I, I had already before realizing there was going to be a problem. I'd signed up for three, ultras three goal races for the year um which were manitou's revenge in june um twisted branch maybe it was only two. Oh, twisted branch and oil creek yeah i was gonna run my first hundred so um then so it became had, kind of a matter june, of august june august and october all right. lined up ready can i what can i do to nurse this and get better in time for these races. And I realized Manitos was just was not going to happen. I couldn't put right. together the training miles without hurting myself. Which stinks because it's like getting into Manitos is kind of a big deal. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's one I've been planning on doing for a few years. Right. And so um, I finally was like, okay, this is the year I'm going to put it in the calendar and, and do it. Mm-hmm. And it's also like going home for me. I get to spend the weekend at my dad's house. He yeah. lives near there. And run on a lot of trails and mountains that I hiked as a kid and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty excited for it, um, but that wasn't going to happen. And I started seeing, you know, doctors and PTs and stuff like that to get to get better. And they were like, the doctor was just like, uh, you know, 
I think August is also unrealistic. You know, you just we might have you running again by then, but not mm-hmm. not the amount you're going to need to, and not for as long as you're going to need to. So, so you had the uh, very fun treatment of uh, dry needling. I right? did. Yeah, I went and got a dry needling, which is basically like acupuncture needles um, stuck in the the bottom of my foot and uh, shin and everything around there, um, but done on sort of by a Western medicine doctor, not on Eastern. Prescribed needles. Yes. Um, but it's still sort of, I guess, experimental. I don't know. There's some evidence behind it, but there's not a lot of studies done on whether it works or not. I don't know whether it helped. I definitely felt different after I had it. Like, I felt like things loosened up in there. Um, but it was. I went, like, maybe three or four times. And once we didn't even complete it because I was so sore and inflamed to begin with that like every needle she stuck in there was like i was just <laughs> in a ton of pain and like you know she was afraid she was just going to make irritate things worse and, so and you said come back another week you and know? you have a you have a pretty decent pain tolerance yeah yeah i mean so the ones that were a little bit painful it was just like all right that hurts but that's fine but the, this day i was like squirming all over the place and right. you know um, and <clears throat> during this whole time you had never thought i'm going back to hellgate Right. Mm -hmm. It never like entered your mind. You know, okay. Going back to the days after Hellgate, immediately after Hellgate, I think I, I said, you know, I wouldn't go back. And then, you know, the week, as always happens with running, when you say I'm never going to run another race or ultra again. Mm -hmm. And then two days later, you're like, okay, where do I sign up for another ultra? I sort of had that thought about Hellgate too. You know, I emailed Horton the week following the race, I was like, thanks for a great race. I've already gone from being like, thank God I never have to do that again to, I bet I could do it better next year. Yeah. And that was the thing. You didn't say like, I'm not going back because I didn't like it. You achieved what you wanted to achieve. You got your top 10 rail. You got your, you know, Patagonia nano pup. (laughs) Right. And you're like, I did. I achieved my goal. Right. But there was one little niggling thing stuck in there. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I just felt like I could potentially do it a little bit better, but you know, it wasn't a high priority. On my, I was just kind of like, well, mm-hmm. I'll decide about going back to Hellgate later. Probably right. I won't do it since I've got these other three big races on my calendar, and particularly with a hundred miler in October, I didn't think I would be prioritizing that. But as everything else got scrapped off the calendar, I started thinking, well, <laughs> now I'm feeling better as the summer's ending and the fall starting. I could actually maybe get in shape and squeeze one right. ultra by doing. And during the, get again. during the time you were injured, it wasn't like you you were sitting around, right? I mean, you no. were keeping fit. Yeah, more or less. I mean, it was the running was inconsistent. There were a couple points where I took a, two weeks off or a week off just to kind of bring down the soreness um, and then try to come back. And to some extent, I think that may have hindered things because I you know, kept testing and trying to do as much as I could. And maybe if I just taking a longer break earlier i would have come back sooner i don't know but i also um tried to be somewhat smart about it and when i was starting to run a little bit more i i didn't push it too much with the running and instead supplemented with biking and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so i was there were a couple in july and august i was hitting like 90 mile weeks of combined running and biking miles so i was getting um some aerobic fitness that way and so then when i actually did felt feel like i could start running again in september so i felt like i had a lot more 
um, fitness than I would have had otherwise and some climbing legs that I might not have had mm-hmm. from riding the bike. So then September comes around and you're starting to feel better. Yep. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> and you go, uh, uh, who do I know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I signed up for a couple. I did a couple races. First thing I did was um, uh, Cat's Tail. Mm, yeah. Um, the um, Trail Marathon in the Catskills. Which is not, not, wasn't, not an easy one no, it's to not. pick out of the gate. Right. And that I was a little concerned that it might be too much, but I kind of felt like I've been running now consistently without any heel pain. So let's do it, you know, and this is more of a, it might be more of a hiking race than a, a flat out running race. So even if the heel starts to hurt, I can still kind of hike my way through it. And that was a blast. Um, I think I got 27 miles or so, 26, 27 on the watch. With I don't know how much climbing seven thousand six or seven thousand feet seven thousand feet I think, but it's it's a tough course and I got through about so I think the biking paid off a lot there I was climbing like I felt great you know I and I looked at times afterwards and my times up some of the big climbs were you know in the in the top couple like not far behind Ben nephew's times and stuff like that up those but then my times on the descents were terrible because it was afraid of hurting my heel mm-hmm. and I hadn't had any technical descending practice and everything like that. And I just was like mm-hmm. baby steps the whole way down. I'd, I'd pass people going up and then just get blown by, by everybody <laughs> on the way down. <laughs> um, and I got to the last, to about 20 miles feeling great. And I was hoping I'd be able to run it in hard. And I just kind of, that's when the uh, lack of running throughout the year caught yeah. up to me and I kind of slowly grounded out to get in. Um, but you came out of it uninjured. You came yeah. out of it feeling good. Like, yep. Hey, I, I can do this stuff right. again. At that point I realized that I had, um, wait, what? Is, oh yeah. I had two races in on the Troy series from Medved madness and sneaker. Mm-hmm. And then I could get two more in, and get the Masters win for the year if I ran the last two, which were um, Mudslog and um, uh, Menden, yeah. the 50K. And I figured the 50K would be a good training run if I wanted to go back to Hellgate. Yeah, so that's when it sort of started. Right? Yeah. You're like, hey, wait, I'm, I was like, I'm feeling good. Let me find an ultra to and grind myself into when, the ground. that's uh, about <laughs> when Hellgate registration opens is in October. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll run, I'll run Menden. I'll close out the Troy series and then I'll also, you know, use that as a long training run to get into Hellgate. So I wrote to, to Horton. I was like, all right, I want to come back. Uh, I don't have any qualifying runs this year, you know, because uh, ask you to put a, another ultra you've done that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then any ultras you've done in the past. And I said, well, Technically, it's within a year. I ran Hellgate <laughs> yeah. 2015, so let me back in. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, and he's a reasonable man. Yeah, I don't know what I don't have no idea what his normal. I didn't have to beg. I just filled this out in the application. You know, and yeah. like I don't know what his normal qualification standards are. How he? I mean, there's not a lot of transparency there in terms of how he selects the the field for the first part of the field. But I got an email two weeks later or whatever it was saying, yeah, you've been selected to, to run. And I thought, Oh, 
uh-oh, <laughs> you know, now I actually have to do this. And I have, you know, so I ran Cat's Tail and I ran Menden and both of them were fine. I came out uninjured and I had decent races, but both of them I finished, I closed it out at, you know, exhausting myself, you mm-hmm. know, feeling like well, I didn't have a whole lot more in the tank to give, you know. But you just breezed right over that mudslog. Mudslog went pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I think I came in second, but I was, there was like probably like a 10 minute gap between first and second. <laughs> yeah. A strong second. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, and then you were actually, you ran Menden 50K in, in 4.35? Yeah. I, that's a hell of a time for, you know, not really running. Yeah, I was hoping to go under 4.30. Um, and that's what the, that last, and I was on pace. Mm-hmm. I think for the first four loops, I probably was on like 4.25 pace or something like that. And then all of a sudden, the wheels came off for the last mm-hmm. loop, and I just kind of dragged myself around. Oh, I yeah. started having, a, you know, calf and, and um, hamstring cramps, which I think is a part of, my experience when I get those, it's because I'm trying to race harder than I have trained for, you know, right. I've, you know, for longer and harder. Right. The mind, the mind thinks that you're more capable than the body. Right. Right. <laughs> the body says, no, no, my <laughs> muscles don't remember how to do this. And right. <laughs> we're going to start, you know, yeah, we, we inspiring. are, we are revolting. Yeah. So I lost 10 minutes on that last loop, but you know, 435 was reasonable time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was, I've run faster there, but. It was, I was reasonably happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, with again, a month, with a month to go to Hellgate. Yeah, I knew, but that, then the, that kind of gave me this problem of like, all right, I have a month to go to Hellgate. I want to get a couple, I need a couple weeks of tapering and I need, you know, how much recovery do I need from, mm-hmm. from a uh, hard 50 K yeah, from a 50 K. And it turns out I didn't take much recovery. Um, I, the next week was election week. And I had election day off as a county employee. I don't know why they give us election day off, but they do. Everybody should have election yeah, day off. Yeah, it'd be great if everybody did. So I took advantage of it by going out for a, a long run, and then I did two more long runs that weekend. Um, I think maybe I had two days off that weekend. I had uh, maybe Veterans or whatever the – is it Veterans Day or mm-hmm. President's Day? Yeah. So I ended up squeezing a lot of training into the next two weeks or three weeks without taking any break after the 50K. Which made me feel a little bit more confident about Hellgate too, because I was like, okay, well, I just did the 50k, didn't really need any recovery, and got back out there and was doing, you know, 18 mile runs and 16 right. mile runs and stuff like that. And I'm back, baby. Yeah. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I still knew. That, I mean, if you looked back at my training last year when I went there in 2015, I had done three long ultras going into it. Right in the year, I'd done. Um, Two that are, you know, of comparable length or longer in, in, in Laurel and in uh, Twisted Branch, mm-hmm. right? So those, you know, and then I'd done reasonably well at both of those. So I was, like, coming in with a, a good deal of confidence. And I just had lots more weeks of um, 16 above miles per week with a lot of climbing and stuff like that. And this year I just didn't have that many of them. And I was kind of like, well, I've gotten some good training in the last couple of weeks, but I don't have the whole year of conditioning under my legs. Right. So I wanted to try to see if I could improve on uh, 2015's time, but I knew that that was a long shot and that I would have to come more from being smart and from being tough than from actually, like, having better fitness or something like that. Right, and 
uh, one of the things you talked about last year after Hellgate was you you could have used a little bit more toughness at the end. Yeah. Right. You're like, uh, this this hurts too much, and uh, yeah. you know, and so you this year you kept saying like, I, I just need to be a little bit tougher. Yeah. You know, I think um, <laughs> maybe this is just the way I am. Maybe this is just the way I race because maybe I say that after every yeah long race. That's I, that's what I, I was that way after say. after Hellgate this year too. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to get at. <laughs> um, you know, if I was so, just a little bit tougher, I could have bit that nail right in half. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so maybe it, maybe that isn't the case. Maybe I'm still learning how to do it, or maybe I'm just always going to feel that way after. Yeah. Race. I don't know. You know, because so. I don't know if you want to jump into this year's race, but I ended up feeling basically the same way about it. The, the race went, got tough, but as roughly we were, around the same part, and you know, I kind of. So we started. We decided that you know we we're all going to go down again, right? The happy crew. Yeah. Me, you, and me, you, and Ron. I know. I couldn't believe I got people to come down to Virginia again with me well, for a second year in a row. <laughs> well, and if and if we would have been smarter and looked at the forecast for this year, <laughs> you know. We um so as it got closer, we realized it was going to be a little bit of a, a colder year. Yeah, different just, year than the year touch. before. Um, so last year, a, as we recall, a fifty was, degree difference. Yeah, the warmest year in Hellgate history, and we hit up in the seventies by the finish, or I think it was right about seventy when I finished, and I think it might have climbed a couple degrees warmer than that. Um, this year was Horton said the coldest year in Hellgate history, and so we were in the single digits during the middle of the night at the higher points. We, we sure as hell were. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and pretty much, I don't know what, what we topped out at, but, you know, we started out probably in the teens and then the temperature dropped from there as you went from midnight towards dawn. Yeah. And I the sun about, came up. I think about 3.30 in the morning yeah. was uh, reports between 9 and 13 degrees. Yeah. Um, and then... I don't know, it might have climbed back up into the high teens or 20s by the end, um, you know, at noon or so. Right. So you're going in slightly less trained than you would have liked. Yep. And slightly uh, harder course this year, right? There was going to be patches of ice. Yeah. I was concerned about the ice, and I was just concerned about how to stay warm the whole mm-hmm. the whole time, you know. I'm used to running in, in sub-zero weather for an hour, for, you know, 45 minutes, you know. Yep. Something like that, but staying out there for 12, 13, 14 hours. Overnight. Overnight. And, yeah. like, you know, uh, even if it's that that cold, if you're working hard, you sweat, and then your clothes are wet, and then mm-hmm. so am I going to be able to stay warm? And in an ultra, you don't know if you're going to suddenly, you know, be walking for a long time and getting colder and colder. So yeah. I was, you know, not sure how that was going to work out. And another piece of the strategy that was changed was we went down a day earlier this year. Yeah. Right. So last year it was kind of like drive all the way down, uh, get a packet, try to get an hour of sleep and then run. Yeah. And I tried to rest in the back of the car and that didn't, I mean, I got rest, but I never got to sleep. So, yeah. So this time we went down the night before, got a hotel room, had a leisurely Friday. I don't know that uh, we got as much sleep as we would have liked Thursday night, right? I mean, um, it comes from having, I guess, three guys in a hotel room together. One person starts making noise and everybody else starts to wake up and, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so, well, and I think just generally, I mean, we spent a lot of time on our feet hanging out and I, th- I think it wasn't like a, you're going to get to the hotel room, 
put your feet up, sit around, do nothing. Mm-hmm. It was more like it was uh, sort of a staging area for us just so we could chop the drive yeah. right, from eight or nine hours down to two hours the yeah. next day. It was definitely a more relaxed day on, mm-hmm. on Friday, which was good. Yep. And I think I got a little bit of – I think I actually fell asleep for a few minutes in the um, – at the camp before the race, right. you know, I closed yeah. my eyes for 45 minutes or so. And actually I think I was out for a couple of them. Um, and, and this year we had a whole bunch of friends come down, right? Yeah. Independently. There was a lot of, uh, so Ian Golden, Western New York, central yeah. New York crew. So Ian Golden, Scotty Jacobs was there. So Mike the, Sudi from the yeah. Catskills region. Laura Reckerth from Rochester. Yep. So we had we had some Northeast representing. Yeah. I'm sure there were a few others, but yep. those were the ones we knew, right? Yep. It was good to chat with those guys at the at the dinner beforehand. Being down south together. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty much it, right? Like you had your dinner. We went and had our dinner. Yeah. Right? And then did the half sleeping thing. Yeah. Then standing around in the cold. <laughs> the race has a long leading because they do packet pickup at, you know, five 5.30. 6 p.m. And then you're not starting the race until yeah. uh, you have a, his, the briefing and you have the dinner and stuff like that. But you, you have basically six, seven hours before you're going to start the race. Yeah, you have your Horton Horton time at 8 o'clock. Yep. You get to hang out with you know Dr. Horton for a while. And then at about 8.30 or 8.45, he's like, all right, see you later. Yeah. You know? and we'll go over to the start around 11 o'clock or so. Right? Yeah. And so you have three or hours to... Mm-hmm. Sit around and twiddle your thumbs and figure out how to make yourself totally ready, but also the least tired you can be yeah. by midnight. So, And then we went to start. Yeah. We do the national anthem. He keeps shouting to make sure that everybody's still there. That's right. And then okay. you're off. I'm off. So, yep. I, I started further back in the pack this year. Um, I wanted to try to... Last year, I went out. Decided not to go out on course record pace. Fast and decided I wanted to try to go out slow and see if I could be in better shape for the second half of the race. Um, I don't know if I don't know. You know, I can second guess that strategy. I don't think it hurt me too much, but you know, because I didn't have the the deep race legs or the the number of miles on my legs, I'm not sure counting on having a lot of legs in the second half of the race was a good strategy in any case and maybe i could have just banked a little more time or something like that, but who knows it might or, be even more of a disaster in the yeah, second half of the race or you wouldn't have had any legs <laughs> right. left so you know I, I know we could second guess it all day but basically i was kind of like in the middle of the pack starting and i kind of gradually worked my way up but still i don't i don't know what what position that you guys might know better than i did what position i came in through the first few aid stations but um i know i was um five or ten minutes slower to the first aid first aid station where i saw you Um, i think we were a lot less analytical this i mean we kind of went with what your goal was going to be which is like you're gonna just see what you can do yeah you know this wasn't like uh we must do everything to keep jamie in the top 10 i think i told yeah the last year i was like okay i want to be in the top 10 so Mm -hmm. it was at every you know, when I came in through the first aid station, I knew I was in seventh, and after that, I was starting to count places of who I passed and who passed me and stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, whereas this year, I sort of felt like, and I think I told you guys, I didn't want to know and want to think about racing until about 30 miles until Jennings Creek. Yep. And um, just not worry about it. Um, and if I had 
legs after Jennings Creek, I would be able to, there's still plenty of race time to make up. As long as I wasn't, you know, hours behind people, I, I would have plenty of time to, to race from there. So I wasn't really thinking about it too much and was just trying to relax and yeah and keep it reasonable. And that was sort of what, you know, what we were doing. We were just trying to stay warm pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, surprisingly, you know, last year we were really scared. Like, I don't understand what people would be doing on these roads if there was snow. Uh-huh. And it turns out it wasn't too terrible, mm-hmm. you know, but it was it was cold, like when the wind blew. Yeah. So we spent very little time outside the car. I don't blame <laughs> like, you. Know, I was thinking about you guys a lot because as it turned out, it wasn't too hard to, to stay warm for me. Um, there were certain points here and there where you're more exposed to the wind mm-hmm. or you've stopped for a second for an aid station where you get chilly but most of the time i was perfectly warm well what about um when you're up you know coming into aid three yeah right aid three is pretty much the coldest place you know right that you're up on the top of the hill it's exposed right you're thinking of um floyd's field where Floyd's field, that's right technically that's aid four yeah i guess matters, but it's yeah. the second point where i see you guys and there's right. one in between yeah so i think the first aid two which is the first place i see you guys mm-hmm. that the next one which is aid three and then aid four are all pretty cold because yeah. those are all relatively high points in right. the race and and it's a long haul from two to four yeah right and that third so i'd say that the third aid station, which is in the middle, in between, um, I'm trying to think of what the name of it is, Camping Gap, maybe? And then uh, Floyd's Field were probably the two points where I got I got the coldest, both mm-hmm. because there was a lot of wind in some of those places near there, and you stop for a second, take off your gloves to deal with something at the aid station or whatever, or, and then it takes a little while to warm back up. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, there were a couple points in there where I had to. I realized I had to pull out a second pair of gloves and double up, or uh, I was wearing a windbreaker, put the hood up on it, and, and zip it up higher. Um, yeah, and that was my first time doing um, 3 a.m. cup of noodle soup, yeah. <laughs> and and so like I I have all the camp stove out on the rock and everything, and I'm heating uh-huh. up this soup, and I'm like I'm not gonna get it to a boil, right? Because uh-huh. that's ridiculous. Here, put this boiling hot soup in your mouth, and so like I'm going well. He's not going to mind if I stick my finger in this <laughs> to test it, right? So yeah. I'm putting my, I'm like, yeah, it's warm. Yeah, it's a little bit warmer, right? So then I make the soup and I give it to you. I'm like, it's kind of warm. And you're like, ah, too hot, too hot. Too hot. <laughs> yeah. But it cooled off really quick. That's right. <laughs> it was good to have the noodles. Um, I, uh, I don't know, remember drinking all that much of them at any point. You know, no, it was a couple just a, sips at each aid station. A little bit, to, a little bit, kind of to stay warm. Yeah. And, and it was good for um, three a.m. I probably didn't do very good, but later on in yeah. the morning, I, I got the temperature right. right. But we had a whole, we had a whole plan of like if you came in like frostbite, you know, uh-huh. we had the aid station set up before the field. Because the one thing I noticed about that field, and this is my sort of issue with that Floyd's Field station, is that's where the drop bags are. Yeah. Right? For the solo people without right. crew. Right. Where are the drop bags? In the middle of a field. Mm-hmm. Right? Out there in the wind. <laughs> Out there in the wind. So yeah. if anybody's like, oh, I need to change my shirt. Right. What are they doing? They're stripping down in the middle yeah, of the field. Yeah, or I'm already freezing cold and I need right. an extra layer. And then right. I have to try to work the zipper on my drop bag and yeah. freeze my 
butt off here. Yeah. And so we set up like the aid station just up the road, you know, off the back of the car and had the chair and everything. And I felt like being in the trees was much more helpful than, than being down at the bottom of that aid station. I don't recall feeling cold at that aid station. You know, I just hiked and jogged up a hill Mm -hmm. and was running pretty warm at that point. It was when I left that I realized that the cold had sort of sunk in. And I was, you know, I left and there's a a bit of an uphill out of there and I wasn't ready to to start running too hard right away. And so my hands got cold and um, stuff like that. But I wasn't, maybe maybe because of the position, but maybe also just because I came in warm. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when I opened up my jacket. I recall, and, and all of a sudden, <laughs> snow all the came. snow fell out of my jacket because it was all my sweat. Yeah, that, fro- refrozen on the inside of my jacket. <laughs> that was really cool. You're a snow machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the difference in the footing from from those you know first twenty five miles. Yeah. Um. It being like snow and slightly icy, and you're running from midnight until four a.m. Did you notice anything? Like, was it harder or easier? Ground- the ground felt harder. I could tell that yeah. the ground felt harder than last year. You know, just felt like you were, even on the dirt, it felt like you were running on pavement because it was just rock hard. Um, and so my feet felt like they were taking a bit of a beating from that. There wasn't, I had, from our hike that, or, you know, little walk that we took and where you went for a run earlier in the day. Yeah, on the, on the AT. On, yeah. Yep. There was a lot of ice where Ron and I walked there, and I was concerned that it was going to be really icy on the trail in places, and it, and it wasn't. There just wasn't really much ice, which was great. There were places, I think, where there were leaves that were frost-covered that made them a little bit slippery the, against each other. The leaves would slide around, but there wasn't any really terrible footing. It just felt pounding and hard. Hmm. Um, I mean, there were—I can't say there was no ice at all, but it right. was minimal. It didn't. It, it was only one or two places where I was like, "Oh, there's a patch yeah. of ice. I better step right. around that." You know. Right. Um, <clears throat> coming into that aid station, there Floyd, was a Floyd's, Floyd's Field. Field yeah. yeah, there's a real. You're up high for a while there between Camping Gap and Floyd's Field, um, and there's a long stretch where you're kind of running on relatively flat double track um it goes up a good amount in places but a lot of it is pretty runnable and fairly flat but then you hit this trail section and you start climbing up and everything was just absolutely frost covered there um and you know you have a head and it's just seen a headlamp light and it was absolutely beautiful i just wanted that uh the moon was out and the orion looked beautiful and just every there's all these trees and and uh grass around you that was all just crusted in frost um, and the cool. reflection of the light and also with your breath uh-huh. shining in the in the headlamp light it was just absolutely beautiful um and i noticed that coming down and then you go down this hill on trail and then you climb up to the aid station and when you're going down anytime i i don't know if it was the direction of the wind or if it was just that i would slow down for a second so that my breath that the fraught or the condensation coming off of me from sweat and maybe my breath was just kind of like a cloud around my head the whole way shining <laughs> my headlamp and then the frost is just really you sure it was that? one of my favorite moments of the yeah. of the race just running so. around in your own personal snow globe yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> 
Very cool. Um, so you didn't have the Hellgate eyes. You actually had your own little, you know, your own little personal. That's right. You know. <laughs> Maybe that's why it kept them moist. Yeah, I was concerned about Hellgate eyes because of the cold this year. I didn't have a problem with it last year, but the whole way my eyes were were not dry. They were. I would tear up at places and then blink and then be yeah. plenty wet. So there. Yeah, there was there was one girl, Hannah. Uh-huh. Hannah Hannah Bright uh, ended up with, mm-hmm. and she's running, and she finished like, right behind me. Yeah, and they're like she can't see anything, and she ran thirty five miles of that race not being able to see I don't anything. Know how you do that? I yeah. mean, certainly there are stretches where you're on dirt roads and stuff like that where you don't really need to see the footing very much, but yeah. there are other stretches that are very treacherous. Well, and even the blazes on the trees yeah. and stuff, you know. Right. And like, he, just I, I, love, course. I love Darren uh, Darren Horton's pre race brief, and he's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but um. The the reflectors we got this year, they ain't great. (laughs) (laughs) They ain't great. (laughs) You see them on the ground, (laughs) and they don't they don't really reflect that much. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I was laughing so hard at that one. They ain't great. Yeah. So, after Floyd's Field, you come down to Jennings Creek. Yeah, I think I, I think I took a a bottle from you guys for that section rather than the mm-hmm. the yeah. best. That's the, I guess the other point to mention from the, the cold, two other noticeable things other than having a couple points where my hands got cold. Uh, I was wearing a hydration pack with a tube and I ran that under my arm to keep it mm-hmm. warmer. And that's the technique inside of my windbreaker. Even that wasn't enough at points. I had to, the tube would freeze up, I think close to my close to the mouth area yeah. And so I noticed first about seven miles in, mm-hmm. I had to take the, and I thought at that point, I was like, oh, this is going to be a long race if I'm already freezing and I can't drink water at this point. Um, I would have to tuck it as far down into my shirt as I could mm-hmm. um, under the ne- from the neck down and then have it also underneath my armpit and inside my jacket. And that seemed yeah. to work. We ignore a lot of grossness as runners, don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like pulled the tube back out to get a sip and it's like coated in my own sweat. Um, but that, there are a couple more points where I left it out for a second and it froze back. Yeah. Up. I, I've heard some people say to, to blow the water back in. So it's not in the tube, Yeah, but I, I don't love that cause you're blowing air into the bladder and then you got to listen to it, yeah. you know, but I guess that's another, it, you know, Oh, even before it freezes. Yeah. But so when you take your once sip, it's frozen, I, yeah, it's frozen in there, and you can't. Yeah, you'd have to blow pretty hard to get it to. But once uh, you once you take a sip, you know, then you you blow, blow back it back in, in, so you have an empty tube. Yeah. But I don't I don't like that because it fills up your pack with air. Yeah. But um, that's why I do the under the arm trick, yeah. and it seems to be okay. Um, um, there's a couple stream crossings in the first few miles of the race um that were not i i don't even remember noticing them last year mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's because the streams were lower or just because it was warm mm-hmm. um but this year they were more noticeable and i definitely i was like the first one or two i managed to keep my feet dry and then the last second two i was like oh i'm just gonna have to soak my feet and so then you know 10 miles later my shoes felt like they could have been a little bit tighter and I went down to try to tighten them up and the laces were just com- blocks of ice. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I guess I'm running with loose shoes for a yeah. while. And you didn't change your shoes. Um, I changed them at Floyd's. Yeah. Floyd, I, think, right? I was going to say you changed them at Floyd's and then you ran with them the whole time from there. Yeah. 
Yeah, Ron. Ron did the uh, shoe undoing there. Yeah, right. the the nails for the ice for the ice laces. I don't think so. I think I just pushed them off without undoing oh, the knot. Oh, I thought Ron did. Them. He might have undid them later. I don't yeah. know, but he was helping me with the shoe change. But I I just popped them <laughs> off. They were loose enough that I could just push them off. Yeah, right. Um, so. So then, uh, as you're, you know, we talked last time about the uh, the dawn, right? The, yeah. The sun comes up, and that's where you're running. You know, like you said, Jennings Creek. Um, you got to Jennings Creek a little bit later this year than last yeah. year. Still, only about ten minutes. I think. Yeah, not much. Um, and Jennings Creek, I felt like I ran down that hill probably too hard. You know, like I don't know how you run down that hill in Jennings Creek any slower, but. Um, Maybe I blew up some quad. I paid for it later. I don't know, but I felt great running in. I just thought, okay, now now it's thirty miles in. Maybe I'll think about racing. Um, and I came in there feeling good. I asked you guys what position I was in, and I think I was in fourteenth or fifteenth spot. And so I thought, okay, if I mm-hmm. can pass a few people, mm-hmm. climb up Beach Shade Station, I might be able to climb back into the top ten. But we'll see what happens. Um, <clears throat> and it's you know that dawn is coming up soon when you right. get there. I don't remember exactly what time it is, like 5.30 or so when I get to mm-hmm. Tennings Creek. Yep. Um, and, you know, dawn happened roughly the same point as the previous year. I was, since I was about 10 minutes behind pace from last year, I, uh, I knew by the next aid station where I don't see you guys, that's about where I would see the sunrise. And that was right. about the same thing that happened here. Yep. So the funny point at that aid station... At Jennings Creek. Yeah, at yeah. Jennings Creek, there's a, a kid comes up, and he uh, he goes to the aid station worker, and he's like, my bottle's frozen. He's got a little 20-ounce Nathan like handheld bottle, and he's uh-huh. like, my bottle's frozen. And um, so, you know, the aid station worker takes it. He opens it up, and it's got a layer of ice on the top. Uh-huh. And so... The aid station worker takes it and puts it in front of the like heat lamp, like the the blowing, you know, uh-huh. glowing hot red heat lamp. Yeah. I'm like, uh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> He's not going to have a bottle in a second. <laughs> the plastic's going to melt before the water does. Uh-huh. You know, so I take it out and I'm, I take the bottle and I start chipping it away with, I have a knife and I just start, you know, yeah. jabbing through the ice to get the water. Uh-huh. And it's basically a slushy, but maybe there's a quarter of inch of water. And as I'm doing all that, like I get it all cleaned out and everything. And Amy Rusecki comes over and she tells the kid like, oh, you know what you can do with this is run with it upside down. She's like, cause everything starts freezing at the top. Huh. So when you're holding your water bottle, run with it upside down. And he looks at Amy Rusecki like... Yeah. Okay. Whatever. You know, like, like, who are you, lady? You know, I don't really care. And, and I'm like, you know, this lady runs in Vermont all, all year long. Like, she kind of knows what she's talking about. Right. Um, but he's like, yeah, I haven't had anything to eat for like 25 miles, and uh-huh. I couldn't drink anything because my bottle's frozen. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we're here to help. <laughs> and he's like, just um, can you put some water in that? I gotta go. And I'm the like, upside down trick. I like that. I haven't heard that before but i just see myself doing it and having the spout open and pouring all my water down my legs you probably need to do that like when you're when you're actually conscious yeah exactly not not don't try that seven hours deep into 100k right but you know and and amy and i talked afterwards and she's like you know i've i've only have 30 years of backcountry skiing to learn these lessons you know (laughs) right but yeah, that was pretty funny. 
But so then you're on to on towards. So at that point, there was uh, you were leaving the aid station. I was like, you're fifteenth, uh-huh. and then um, as I turned around and I walked away from you, I go, you're about to be sixteenth. This guy's coming to get you, <laughs> and he goes, yeah, that's that's why I'm walking so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody came to get me right away. Um, I think I pretty much from there you go to a a non crew aid station. Um, so I didn't see there, and I. Did not, I saw one hand lamp behind me at some point, but but uh, nobody caught me in that stretch. And I caught a couple people climbing up to the next aid station. Um, the sun's coming up. And I thought, okay, this is a good sign. I'm starting to pass people. Um, and the sun's up and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. That's blah, a big point. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, you know, then in that next stretch, between that next one of the toughest stretches of the race is that between that non-crew aid station and the next one, which is the horse camp, Bear Wallow Gap, is one of the toughest stretches of the race. It's a long stretch. Um, I forgot how much of it is runnable. The first three quarters of it is probably runnable, but the last quarter of it is just miserable. It's just terrible rocky trail covered with leaves, and it's just up and down and up and down. Um and that's where and you that's you, where uh, I I bonked last year yeah it was kind of like I felt like I was just stumbling around in those leaves and rocks and that's where you read the race reports where people are like they're calf high leaves and there's rocks underneath them right and everybody goes that's an exaggeration calf yeah. high <laughs> calf high come on yeah no it's not really an exaggeration I mean I think I read knee high and I was like that's got to be an exaggeration it is yeah. but it's definitely ankle and above you know yeah. uh, and. Um, I ran that whole that whole stretch with another guy, Danny Mowers is his name, um, chatting with him, and we worked together throughout that whole um, section, and that was good. Um, he was hoping to sneak into the top ten, and I figured, okay, well, maybe we can work together and see if we get there. And I think I ended up coming into Bear Wallow like, you know, 100 yards ahead of him or something like that, mm-hmm. and then he, I think, got out of that aid station before me, and I never saw him again, and he ended up coming in 11th uh, male. Um, first loser. Basically exactly the time I put up last year. Yeah, the first so loser. He... Uh, that's a nice... Did as much as he could, but he didn't... I was going to say, that's a nice push from, yeah. from Bear Wallow. I mean, you got 24 Horton miles left, right? right? And so, Okay, so spoiler alert, uh, that means he put an hour on me in the last <laughs> uh, 20 to 24 miles um went and did basically what i had hoped to do was kind of like get myself back to where i was the previous year um by pushing from there and i just didn't have it in me so you didn't have the the deep legs like you say that's that's so i came into bear wallow and i felt better i was in less of a bonk than i was the previous year but i also uh i was already behind the pace but i also knew that I was tired and exhausted. I just wanted to go to sleep at that point. I don't know mm-hmm. why. And like You were more lucid, though. I was I, more lucid, but I just didn't feel like... Um, I was like, oh, can I really run hard from here? <laughs> you know, yeah. I just didn't... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I didn't have much 
Mm -hmm. I have a tiger (laughs) in me. I was trying to get it and I was like, okay, can I push from here? Can I, you know? But I mean, I, I guess I felt better about where you were at Mm -hmm. that, at that aid station because like, like I said, you were more lucid, you were, Uh you were with it and, and maybe you weren't like in a super hurry and like, I'm going to go crush this, but Uh totally seemed capable at that point of, of doing well. Whereas last year you sat in the chair with a quesadilla and mumbled mumbled <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah same same point in the race and same i guess you know i, I bonked coming into that aid station last year and then this year i got in there without bonking but i still felt mm-hmm. like i was you know yeah spoiler alert had the, the, the bonk came later <laughs> <laughs> i had the, you know i don't know that i bonked um i didn't feel that way where i got Last year, I, I bonked and felt a little bit less coherent as a result of it and felt like I didn't have my legs under me. Um, this year, coming out of Bear Wallow, I just was... Mm. I wasn't bonking in the same way, but I was just running out of mm. steam to actually push hard. And what what really killed me, I think, after that point was coming just before the climb into the next aid station, I tried. there's a downhill, and... I couldn't run that. Like I, I kind of hiked down that downhill, and then you get to the next aid station, the one Boblet's Gap, the one that's at. Uh, right, it's in the park. You got the. And you're going right under the, under the Blue Ridge Parkway, under that yep. tunnel. Yep. Um, there, you come out of there, and it's just a completely runnable, dirt road descent at like a I don't know three percent grade, something that you could just fly down. And I last year I ran. Mm-hmm you know, seven something minute pace down those two or three miles until you hit trail again. And this year I started to run and I felt like I was running on peg legs on that and I couldn't maintain a run. And I ran like 10 minute pace and then started walking and did that a couple times. Did that for maybe three quarters of a mile. I got passed by a whole bunch of people and I was just like, okay, I got to figure out a way to run on this. This is this is a place where you need to be not putting in twenty minute miles, yeah. um, and so I, I did manage to, to bring it down to something resembling a jog, but it was, still wasn't really great. And so um, that stretch from Bobbitt's Gap to the next aid station, as you guys know, was a very long one for me. Yeah, I think coming into Bobbitt's, that's where I got a little bit concerned because a few people. And not that you gave up places, uh-huh. but that um, it was just, it took you longer than, than we would have okay. thought. It, you know, giving up giving up the places could have meant that people had more legs than you or anything. Yeah. But it was like a uh, half hour longer. Right. Like that doesn't feel right. Right. You know, between Bear Wallow and, and Boblets. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm confusing. I may have been before Bear Wallow, but one guy passed me who made it up into the top 10 from there. And he looked like he was just fresh as a baby. He, you yeah. know, it was just like flying and just like, looked like he was having fun. And I was like, okay, that guy the good, the good thing, a good day. The good thing about, you know, still in both years, the uh, good thing about following you is that you're still up in the front of the race. Mm-hmm. So when we um, pulled into Bear Wallow, I, personally this this year i did a good job getting sleep yeah. like i did a real good job getting some sleep but this year we we went into bear wallow we um pulled in we slept and as i woke up that's when um 
that's when Brian Rusecki came running behind the car. Like yep. people clapping for him sort of is what woke he me was up. The, he was the leader and the eventual yeah. winner. And I heard you um, ended up giving your boiling hot noodle trick to, uh, to Jason Lance. <laughs> to Jason Lance, <laughs> which he just, he, he looked like a popsicle when wow. he came into Bear Wallow, like a literal popsicle. And well, um, he was running in little shorts. Right? He was running in little short shorts. Night long. I and, don't understand the people who ran that night in shorts. Yeah. And, um, and Amy, Amy and uh, Ian Golden, Ian had uh, turned his ankle pretty bad. Yeah. And so he was out and he was wearing all of Amy's clothes. Yeah. And, uh, and my jacket. Yeah, get my jacket on for a while. Until well, I, later on he yeah, got okay. it. Um, so he had all because we didn't meet him up until Bear. We saw when I came him. into Bear Wallow, he was wearing my jacket. Right, so. he was wearing all. He had Amy's big giant puffy jacket on <laughs> at uh, Jennings Creek. He looked uh-huh. like a little red marshmallow. <laughs> it was kind of cute. Um, but then, so they were like, "Oh, Jason looks frozen. Let's uh-huh. go help him out." And you know, they're fighting with his drop bag. So I brought the couple noodles over, and I'm like, "They'll be a little bit warm, especially with how cold you are." And he was like, "Gulp." And just pounded him. And he had these like shaking, shivering, red chapped lips. Uh-huh. And he just, yeah, he just downed that soup. And uh, I don't know. I'd like to think it did something for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I personally think, you know, I'm, I'm mostly responsible for his placement in the race. For him maintaining second place. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think, you know, if I don't get a sh- to wear that jacket <laughs> once or twice, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to somebody. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So then. After that, then Ian was part of our retinue. So right. like, cause Amy had to go chase Brian Yeah, and Brian's up front and the right. gap, the gap between you and Brian was getting um, a little bit bigger. Yeah, right. So then that's where, uh, after Boblitz, I started going, okay, you know, he's like you said, not a whole lot of eye of the tiger yeah. today. Yeah. Um, I passed a guy coming into Boblitz who was just stopped he was just standing there on the side of the trail and just kind of like, it was on single track and I don't know what he was doing. Like, um, but it was clear to me that he wasn't moving well. And I just, I was like, are you all right, man? And, uh, he's like, yeah, I'll be all right. And so I kept running and he ended up catching back up to me coming into Boblets, which shows like how well I was not moving. <laughs> like a guy I thought was like yeah. dead in the water ended up, catching back up to me and running and into the aid station together with me. He's like, what are you trying to do? Help me. You're the one that needs (laughs) the help. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think what I was experiencing coming through there and out of Boblet's gap was blown quads. I've never really had that experience before. You always hear people talk about it in ultras and long races, um, where you just, you can't run downhill and you feel like you're on stilts or peg legs or something like that running downhill. And that's how I felt. Um, and that's tough for that section from Boblets to, to day Creek, which is the last aid station because after you run down that road, you run, um, on the single track and it's just a series of steep climbs up and steep and running down. And so all you could do in that section potentially is hike up, and then run down and to do it fast. And I was hiking up and walking down, you know, so, uh, it's already going to be a long, slow section and it was even yeah. longer and slower. Yeah, that was, right. that was a long, pe- but you know, we're, we're saying all this, like it's a long, slow, uh, you're struggling, but you know, you ended up at, when we left, we thought you were in 20th place. Yeah. 
And it turns out like they had lost somebody. They lost somebody, so I ended up finishing twenty first. Which so I mean you're still yep. you know way up there. Yeah, and but, I was ended up exactly an hour, well, fifty nine minutes or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, slower than the previous year. And I kind of saw I like you know if I wanted to, I think my my potential at that race might be an hour faster than I did last year, maybe on a really good day, well trained. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but that's what I would shoot for in the future. And then I kind of thought, well, okay, I'm not going to do that, but so, maybe I can match last year. Right. So from thinking, 13 hours to 12 hours, like you had 1257 right, right, right. last year. So I was thinking maybe I could hit 12 hours, you know, going right. into the race and then realized that wasn't going to happen. So then I was thinking, okay, well just match last year, come right around there. And then as I saw that after bear while gap, saw that that was not going to work out. Then I was thinking, all right, just keep it under 14. So 13 something, which would be an hour slower. And that's ended up what I did. And I got into Day Creek and I realized that was still within reach, but not easy. I would have to push the last six mile section, uh, which is three miles of hiking uphill and three miles of downhill. And I was not sure what I could do on the downhill after, I guess coming into Day Creek, there's a little gradual downhill trail section coming in and that was the first time i felt like okay i can actually kind of manage a, something resembling a run downhill um okay so maybe i can run mm-hmm. in this last section again and i grabbed some poles from you guys which helped a bit on the way up um power hiked the way up realized i had maintained a good enough pace hiking up the three miles um that as long as i could kind of run you know, keep it under 10 minute pace going down. Mm-hmm. I could get there and I was running like eights basically on the way down. Yep. Some guy, uh, passed me on the way down running. Like I was running down last year, you know, right. like seven minute pace or something like that. And right. he went flying by. I was like, you're doing yeah, what you okay. can do at that point. <laughs> yeah. Do it again. But I ended up managing, whereas last year I ran down that hill, you know, hitting under seven minutes in places. And then, having it hurt so much that I would then stop and walk for a little ways and like go back and forth with uh, Bethany Patterson, you know, I'd run past her and then she'd, I'd stop and walk and she'd run past me this time. I, I didn't stop. I just kind of kept a steady pace. And I think actually the time down worked out to be better overall time for those last three miles. Cause I wasn't walking at all. Right. And one of the things you mentioned was that you grabbed some poles. Yeah. And so that's a, another thing not, not necessarily, not necessarily to toot my own crew horn, but for people that are crewing somebody in an ultra, mm-hmm. you know, the, you would have never said, Hey, Chris, remember to bring some poles, right. you know, remember to make some chicken noodle soup, yeah. you know, like, right. but if you're, if you're crewing in an ultra, a hundred K, particularly a, a mountain, ultra. a mountain ultra states away, yeah. you know, bring things, you know, that might be needed. Right. You know, even the poles don't take up a whole lot of room in the car. You'd be like, oh, Jamie's never going to need poles. No one's ever seen me run with poles before because I never have. So you wouldn't have thought, oh, I know Jamie likes to run with poles sometimes, so I'll bring my poles. No. Yeah. And it's just things like that that, you know, I I probably brought three or four things that you didn't need, you know. But um, I think that it's sort of important. um, I don't know. There's this whole idea of like, I'm going to do this thing by myself. I'm going to go and I'm going to crush it and I don't need any crew and I'm just going to bring a handheld and run this whole damn thing. But then there's this idea of like, you know, be prepared, you know, and, 
if it's not going to be the best experience, like make it at least a good experience, you know, like I'm not going to bring any bandages cause he's never fallen and cut himself, you know, <laughs> like I, I right. just, I think there's, you know, there's things that you can do as crew that you don't even have to tell the person you're doing just like have it in case, yeah. you know? So yeah. anyways, no. So the polls are great. PSA. <laughs> um, I would credit them. I used them on the hike up. I didn't end up using them on the rundown cause I'd started running yeah. down with them and I just didn't, know what i was doing no, with them and they, didn't feel totally comfortable so i felt like all right if i don't know feel comfortable with them i'm gonna like lose my footing and one of these mm-hmm. it's gonna go into my face or something like that you yeah. know like so i ended up just collapsing them and carrying them no but if you're feeling like hands. you got blown quads and peg legs what a what a great idea for a hike up yeah you know? i felt fresher i think running down than i might have otherwise and so and and they could be credited with us missing you finish because yeah. you finished so dang fast, right. right? So yeah, last year I was I was if I was going to recover anything from last year, it was like not walking on that downhill <laughs> that was into the, the finish. You know, once I got up there, and so I did pause for one second. I was like about a mile out. I was like, okay, I'm going to walk for 20 seconds, and I started to walk, and so no, I don't need to walk. You yeah. know, start running again. So I walked for like three steps, and I was just like, this is dumb. You know. Like, <laughs> Yes, it's. I would like to stop running right now, but yeah. this isn't any better. Well, there's your little bit tougher. Right. So I was a little <laughs> bit tougher there and like pretty proud of myself for turning the corner and running. The, like it's all downhill and then you turn the corner into the camp and then it's maybe 800 meters of flat or gradual uphill back to the finish. And that's one place where I walked most of it until I got within sight. Of the finish, <laughs> <laughs> there's like a little, there's like a little cabin, right? And you know you're going to turn the corner for that so cabin. People are going to see me. I better start running. Um, this year, I was just like, I'm going to run the whole freaking thing in, and I ran yeah. the whole freaking thing in. And nobody was there to see me. <laughs> Horton was there at least, but yeah, but uh, you guys were not there yet. Nope we we missed you this year. We right. we were there shortly after, shortly after, but. Uh, yeah, we went to go. Uh, we took one turn too early to like to go into the camp, uh-huh. and then we ended up in like a place where the turn doesn't connect. So okay. we could, we couldn't make up for our wrong turn by just going a little north. Uh-huh. We had to come back out back to the main road and go north again, and that probably cost us the five minutes that that we needed because you were blistering ten k yeah. through the back through the back of this uh, race. Yeah. So 13, what was it? 1355. Right. So I guess 58, I was 1257 the year before. So 58 minutes or so. Yeah. I don't know what the seconds work out to be, but roughly that slower than last year, which, you know, I don't know. I didn't, I wanted to do better than last year. I knew like that would just take some sort of perfect day. Um, Then I wanted to match last year and that didn't happen, but that's fine. You know, like I still felt um, reasonably, you know, it didn't, it's not going to be one of my proudest races ever or anything like that, but like I felt pretty good about it. I felt good that I was still able to put together a, a decent run there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tough hundred K and to know that I could do it without like the perfect mm-hmm. training year going into it and still. That's what I, I think it's a good, a good finish to a, a tough physical year. I mean, mm-hmm. you did a lot of stuff over the summer to keep yourself at least fit, mm-hmm. but y- you know, you didn't run twisted branch. Right. Right. And running twisted branch in August, that's a, that's a challenge, right? And, yeah. And, you know, you're really 
trained up for right. Hellgate and you're just kind of maintaining, maybe you put in a solid, you know, four week block in did, the middle. Right. That's basically know. exactly right. I kind of like took it easy a little bit after Twisted Branch and then just was like, okay, if I'm going to run one more, I'll try better put in three or four weeks of, yeah. of hard running. So, um, sparkling finish. You have two finishes now. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I guess that, um, I mean, we were just talking about how I felt reasonably good about it because I was able to finish not as well as last year, but still in respectable fashion after not as good of a, a year leading into it. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, now what I was going to do this year was run 100, 100 miler. Um, now I'm looking into looking at doing that in 2017, mm-hmm. and I feel like another little bit of confidence builder. Um that okay i can go out and finish it i have enough experience under my legs to go out and finish a tough 100k plus even plus, on, plus. Right. two pluses yeah 100k plus plus horton miles i got 68 miles this year yeah An interesting fun fact last year i measured 65.9 <laughs> on my watch same exact watch Supposedly the same course. I got 68 miles this year. Yeah, he did say the course is exactly the same. He said the course is exactly the same. But somehow he managed to sneak 2.1 more miles in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he does. (laughs) Um, You get your dollars worth at that race. So um, real quick, because I do want to talk about your 100. But real quick, like we were joking around, like, are you going to go back to get the five-year eagle? Are you going to go back to get the 10-year bear? There's there's guys there that have done 13 for 13, 14 for 14. What what do you think? Because, uh, you know, you were like, oh, I don't need to go back. And then you went back once more. Right. This year, you're you're going to move on. You're going to try to run 100 somewhere yep. in the fall. Unless something happens where you Hellgate's your fallback again. Yeah. Um, why do you think it is that people go back to that race uh, over and over and over again? So... I mean, some of the people who go back over and over again are, are people who live there. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like their twisted branch, but down there or something like that, or their mm-hmm. local. That's really race. what I, you know, that's what I hope twisted branch becomes. It's yeah. the hundred K that we keep going back to because yeah. it's hard. It's challenging. It's right here. Um, there's a community about the race. So, you know, we're not those people. I don't know. We don't live right there. Um, so I don't have that, you know, it's not like it's in my backyard. Um, I've seen some people in their race reports and comments and so forth say, you know, that, that it is like a gathering for them of seeing the same people year after year. I'm sure, I mean, Horton's got a, uh, a lot of personality, so I'm sure a lot of people, he draw, he himself draws people back. Um, the race does, I think in part, you know, there aren't that many, uh, point to point courses of that length on the east coast um and, and uh in the mountains and so forth so i think the adventure of it and the sort of the uniqueness of it and that that it's in the winter time that it's uh a tough point-to-point course that it's in the mountains um at night you know it's got makes a lot. it uh, gives it a lot of character and that yeah. keeps people coming back to mm-hmm. to experience it over and over again but I, you know i don't know I don't think I'll end up going being a five or ten times in a row, but it does have a draw to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, when you once you get a race like that under your skin, you can keep comparing your times and keep trying to do it a little bit better or figure out 
something that you did wrong last year that you could do better the next time. And it's a different experience each time with the weather, obviously. You know, we had two very different experiences. Um, you know, part of my desire to go back this year was was partly just because I didn't get any other uh, big adventure mm-hmm. races in this year, but partly also to try to improve, and I didn't get that this year. So yep. it, that is still <laughs> out there. I yep. can see going back again. But, you know, I'm, I'm torn at this point, whether I'll go back this year or whether I'll go back sometime in the in the future. Yeah. I'll let the, I'll wait until October to decide. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of your fault that I'm actually considering seeing what the course looks like in between the aid stations. <laughs> I, I really don't, I really don't want to, <laughs> but there's an interest there. They're okay. I know the race so well, right. you know, now two years in a row yeah. from the other side, I feel like, huh. huh. And, but it's not going to be as easy as no. like, <laughs> and it's going to be kind of miserable. It's it's actually <laughs> with with me navigating and Ron driving. It's really easy to get from aid station to aid station uh-huh. in, in a car. You know, on foot. Mm, yeah, you know. But I don't know if it's everybody's cup of tea because there are quite a few dirt roads in there and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and Forest Service roads. Which, if you're a real trail buff, you know. Mm-hmm. That might, I don't know if you talked to Scotty afterwards, but I think that I got the sense that that might have been his impression. That yeah, I think, I think, too much for us. I think he was him. surprised by the amount of roads. I think he, he still enjoyed it, but yeah. I think, you know, being, being Ithaca and Trails and Catskills and Adirondacks, I think he was surprised by the amount of roads. Yeah. But, yeah, you know. there was a fair amount of it. Although, you know, the trail sections are, are miserable enough that you're almost thankful for all those roads. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, so to, to Helen back again, but perhaps not again. Perhaps again, <laughs> perhaps not again. We'll see. I don't know. It's a tough, if it was closer, mm-hmm. I think I'd probably go yeah. year after year um, to make the, the journey down there, uh, eight hour drive, commit the whole weekend to it and have it be, um, Right in December, right before Christmas, with you know, with kids in the yep. mix, um, I felt disastrously unprepared. I mean, I could have dealt with this weeks beforehand, but I felt disastrously unprepared for Christmas after I got back. Yeah, uh, I didn't find time to do shopping for anybody. I was desperately trying to do shopping in the last yeah. weekend, and I just felt so mad at myself. Yeah. And I blamed it partly on Hellgate. I was like, if I didn't take a weekend to just drive to Virginia. Sorry, Sydney. In Doc- middle of December, I would Doctor Horton have a, ruined your Christmas. A present for my wife. <laughs> it was more Jessica that I just felt mad and embarrassed. Oh. I ended up. I got you this uh, Patagonia fleece that <laughs> <laughs> says Hellgate <laughs> in a men's size, <laughs> slightly worn. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't. I did. I don't want to embarrass myself too much i did recover enough and, and yeah. get presents for the but, people but who needed the thing, them right? but that's, i was just like that's it's the a time whole, of year where it's a tough time to to take a whole weekend and yeah. and drive and it's that whole running life balance you yeah. know like oops it got out of balance now you got to scramble to get it back so yeah. so that'll make it tough next year yeah. i don't know if i if i'm a better planner in the future which i don't see any reason to why that would suddenly happen at this point in my life, but evidence somehow <laughs> the evidence does not show. Then maybe I'd go back again, but we'll yeah. see. All right. Um, so you mentioned, you know, considering the hundred miler, um, you don't have any injuries to speak of coming out of this uh, 
Hellgate? No, you know, when I felt good. Um, <laughs> You're good. You're good. Yeah. This is a temporary thing. You're so, good right now. Uh, I decided that maybe taking like two weeks completely off after Hellgate was probably not the best idea. Um, that it might be better uh, this year to, to keep things moving a bit. Uh, run, you know, low mileage for a couple weeks afterwards, but at least get out there and move the legs around. Mm-hmm. Um, and run easy pace. And so I run. did that for 12 days in a row. <laughs> right. For a couple, well, yeah. So I did that for two weeks. I ran like 15 to, to 20 miles uh, for the two weeks afterwards. Um, and then I ramped it up in the past two weeks and I somehow forgot to take a rest day in the past two weeks. And now I'm starting to get that heel pain coming back um, after ramping it back up. But I'm hoping it's it's temporary and that it'll... Mm-hmm. it'll pass it will it was it was totally fine until two days ago and i yeah. think now if i nip it in the bud I, I took a unplanned rest day today i'm taking one tomorrow and uh, my wife got me this foot gym for christmas it has this little device where all sorts of foot strengthening exercises on it yeah so i'm gonna start using that cool yeah little, you put little headbands on your toes and... that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> Um, your yeah. foot starts saying things like push it to the max. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm hoping not cause I'm, I'm trying to, uh, get started, uh, training now for All next right. year. You got to train now for whatever hundred milers may come your way. Yeah. I'm signed up. Well, I'm in the lottery for MMT, Mass Nutton. Another trip down to Virginia in May. Love them. Virginia. To run the Virginia trails. Um, so hopefully I'll get in, find out in the next couple of weeks, and then... Uh, if not, you know, just throw your uh, name on the Oil Creek 100. Well, you know, Oil Creek left me with a bad taste <laughs> just because there no refund, yeah. no deferral policy. I got burned on that last year, so yeah. I'm kind of... It's a great race, good course and everything, but um, I'm not sure I'm ready to... If I did that, I would wait. Yeah put myself on the wait list yep. so that I end up getting in much closer to the race. And then, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, no, cause yep. it seems like a lot of people get in off the wait list. Cause yep. a lot of people sign well, up early and then you got to sign up in like, you know, a now. year in advance. Yeah. Yeah. And then not get any money back. So I'm thinking MMT or Vermont because, uh, I have a deferral at twisted branch. I want to use and get back to, so yeah, that's so August. speaking of a no refund, no no money back, no deferral policy, uh-huh. that didn't happen for your 100K for Twisted Branch. For right? Twisted Branch, or you know what has a great policy is Manitos. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, I waited, even though I knew I wasn't, pretty much knew I wasn't going to be able to run, I still had this, you mm-hmm. know, faith until last two weeks that somehow something would miraculously yeah, turn around. That. I'm like, is he still? <laughs> <laughs> so then I, close to the last day, I, I said, no, you know, I'm not going to be able to run. And then they just give you a, a cash refund mm-hmm. up until like two weeks before the race. Yeah. And they got, um, they have enough. And even after won't. that, they do deferrals. So. Yeah. And, you know, and Scott did, Scott McGee did deferrals for Twisted Branch. Yeah. You know. So I'm going to go use the deferral I have at Twisted Branch. I want to get back there and run that another time. Nice. Um, so that is a late summer race. And that's why I'd like to get the 100 out in mm-hmm. my MMT. 
And then you have um you have now with two Hellgate finishes in two years under eighteen hours, you now have four Western States there are two Western States tickets, right? Uh, this will be my third year in the lottery, which right. gives me which will give four me four tickets. Yeah. Yep. So Whew. So that you're gonna run a hundred two years in a row. We'll see. <laughs> uh Davin had four yeah. tickets this year and he didn't get in. That yeah. that only gets you about roughly ten percent odds. It didn't even get it got him nine percent odds this yeah. year and they might go down. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. as we know, Jason Mintz didn't, need, someone, didn't yeah. need 10% odds. Right. A lot of people get in with one ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, a small number of them of the total number of one-ticketers, but still yeah. a significant number of one-ticketers. The, yeah, the percentage is very low, but you know, yeah. that's you got to be in it to win it, right? Yep. yep. So hopefully this will be the year I get in. If not, I'll, uh, I'll run something else next year. And, <laughs> keep going. You keep know, going. Hellgate's a good uh, late year. You know, that, it's a good way to get it out of the way because then you don't have to do anything else in the coming year. You have no idea what what's <laughs> going to come your way. Yeah, like this year, if I had had to run another qualifier prior to Hellgate, yeah. I don't know what I would have done. I, you know, yeah. I fifty k is not a qualifier. Yeah. my way through Oil Creek or something like that, but I, you know, yeah, it would have been bad. Uh huh. So. <laughs> I wouldn't have been in Mike Weldon's shoes. <laughs> getting don't. to October and realizing you're going to DNF your qualifier. So. Yeah, you don't want to be in Mike Weldon's shoes. <laughs> I've seen those shoes. <laughs> shoes <laughs> I have to say, uh, I'm not exactly sure why I'm considering going down to Virginia to run Hellgate. Maybe I should just stick to crewing the race and uh, run the trails at my own leisure. But having gone down to Hellgate two years in a row, those those mountains are really starting to get to me. I actually got an hour or so to run on the Appalachian Trail while down there this year, and I can really understand uh, how a person could keep going back. I secretly sort of hope that Hobbs goes back for number three, but uh, then again, it it would be neat to see him run a 100-miler later in the year. I mean, Massanutten should be fun. Um Anyways, before we close up, I'd like to tell you about our final sponsor. Rochester Running Company is located on Mount Hope Avenue in Collegetown. It's a new store focused on being a social hub for runners. Visiting the Rochester Running Company is a lot like a great run. Once you experience it, you want to do it again as soon as possible. Whether it's for the friendly staff, the cool brands like Salming, Skechers, and 361 that you just can't find anywhere else, or the uh, clean towels in cold water after one of their frequent and free group runs. You just can't get enough. To that end, they just had a giant group at their first paste run, with a bunch of decent restaurants over there too for post-run grub. Saturdays are going to be pretty good down in College Town. So if you're looking to get some good long runs in this winter, what better way to kick off spring marathon training season than meeting some new friends on free Saturday long runs? Rochester Running Company now has free, free, F-R-E-E, paced group runs with speeds from 7.30 a mile up to 13 minutes, as well as walking groups. Check out the Rochester Running Company Facebook page for more information on the group runs and see all the other hustle and bustle with many pop-up runs or running-related activities constantly being discussed and organized. Also, check out some of their cool little... uh, you know, Instagram product videos. They just they just have a lot of fun with putting on gloves and sunglasses and buffs. 
never saw anybody be happier with uh with <laughs> making videos of gear um anyways bring your friends bring your running group make some new friends and meet other running groups rochester running company run our city together if you want to chat about this episode with other listeners or simply just share your cold weather or Virginia trails running stories, drop a line on the Facebook page or shout at me on Twitter at run inside out. Also consider joining our run inside out Slack where we talk about all manner of things from recent episodes to our latest and greatest runs. It's sort of like social media, but you know, without the media, if that's your kind of thing and you like chatting about running and as, as much as talking about running and listening about running, well, come on out and give it a try. Be sure to check out the episode show notes for links to some of the topics in the episode, like Jamie's 2015 Hellgate report and uh, dry needling. Also, uh, read a little bit about Dr. David Horton and his uh, runs on the AT and the PCT and the transcontinental run. And the guys run the whole country pretty much. So, you know, read about that a little bit. As well as uh, you can also find information on our sponsors, Twisted Branch Trail Run and the Rochester Running Company. Also, you can find more links out there to things like the Strava Run Group and the Patreon page. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, go uh, get out there, check out the website. If you want to join the uh, Strava Group or the Slack channel, check on the right sidebar. You'll find some links there. So Thank you all for listening, for subscribing, and uh, for telling your friends. You know, that's the way this podcast spreads is word of mouth. So thank you for sharing your stories. We wouldn't have the podcast without the stories. And uh, thank you for getting out there to create more stories because, you know, the future. Until next episode, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.